Hello everyone, this is Attack the Backlog, the podcast where I, Mark Kuznez, tries to make a dent in their backlog one game at a time. This is episode 29, Resident Evil 2 Remake, which originally came out on January 25th, 2019 for Xbox One, PlayStation 4, and PC. I played it on Xbox One and absolutely loved it. How much did I love it? Well, the game scared the shit out of me, and yet I still finished it. Not only did I finish it once, I finished it twice. Not only did I finish it twice, no, I just finished it twice, but I have started a third playthrough. Now, one thing I won't be able to do is compare and contrast the remake of Resident Evil 2 with the original 1998 release. I did play the original, but I never escaped from the police station and only played as clear because that's the only disc I had, which I got used for cheap from my local blockbuster. And the majority of my time was spent using my game shark to give myself the minigun with infinite ammo and just going absolutely mad with power, which I did again in the remake, but more about that later. So I think I'll start with the story first, and this is probably where Resident Evil 2 surprised me most of all. Having played the remake of the first game recently, finding the characters in that game mostly throwaway, it's not that I disliked them, I just didn't care about them and their personal stories as much as the world building and little tidbits I'd get through the journals and the like. So I didn't expect much from Resident Evil 2. However, I found myself liking every character in Resident Evil 2 from the very beginning. And that's because the voice acting and performance capture across the board is excellent. The voice acting in Resident Evil Remake was fine and unquestionably better than the original, but it was still, and I have to believe purposefully, on the campy slash cheesy side, and it's hard to care when that's the case. Resident Evil 2, on the other hand, takes itself much more seriously and it works. Also, while I like every character in Resident Evil 2 because they're all well acted, I don't like every character. In other words, Police Chief Irons is the kind of trash that other trash throws away because he's that damn trashy. But I'm getting ahead of myself. I want to particularly highlight Christopher Watson's work as Marvin Branagh who gives 110% every second he's on screen as the veteran cop who helps you when you first arrive at the station. Of all the characters in the game, Marvin grabbed me most of all, and I appreciated the subtle differences in his performance depending on whether you were playing as Leon or Claire. With Leon, Marvin is a bit more rough showing his seniority as a fellow cop giving orders and expecting them to be followed without question, but when dealing with Claire, Marvin is more gentle and compassionate because she's just a young woman, a college student, looking for her brother. Speaking of differences, while both playthroughs start off the same way, after a certain point in the story, they diverge more than I expected. Now, before I get to where the stories diverge, let me start off with how they're the same. I played as Leon during my first playthrough, mostly because I only ever played as Claire in the original PlayStation release and wanted to give Leon a spin. And you can spin in 180 degrees, which is a half spin, but still a spin. But regardless of who you choose, they both start out the same way, with either character stopping at a gas station that works as a tutorial for the rest of the game. After that, the story beats stay the same until you head underground and this is where the stories diverge, which is about a third of the way through the game. In Leon's campaign, he gets attacked by a zombified dog upon entering the underground parking lot and is saved by Ada Wong. 
She then gives him some sass and goes about her business. Leon comes across a journalist locked in a cell, Ben Bertolucci, who asks Leon for help in getting out, offering a way to escape the underground parking lot if he does so. But before Leon can do anything, a giant hand breaks through the wall behind Ben and squeezes his head until it explodes into a bloody mess. Say hello to the tyrant, otherwise known as Mr. X in the fan community. Fast forward and we have the tyrant trying to kill Leon by choking him with his big fat sausage fingers, but before he can squeeze every last breath from Leon's lungs, Ada saves the day once again by driving a van into the tyrant which explodes shortly after for seemingly no reason. Then, Leon and Ada team up to find the G-Virus so it can be used as evidence of Umbrella's shady business in Raccoon City. They make their way through the streets and then head down into the sewers where a giant alligator chases after Leon who dodges, ducks, dips, dives, and dodges before throwing a grenade in the gator's face and watching it explode into a chunky red downpour. After that, they run into Annette Birkin, an umbrella scientist who doesn't trust Ada for reasons you'll learn about later. Annette ends up shooting Leon before making her getaway and Ada patches Leon up before going off on her own. This is where you take control of Ada for a brief period of time, using your hacking tool to unlock a few doors before confronting Annette and ending up incapacitated in a big pile of garbage. Now you return to Leon and save Ada by finding a bunch of chess pieces which allow you to open up a door which leads to another door and then you open that door, but not before fighting G again, wasting way too much ammunition before realizing you can't kill him until you get him to one particular spot where you can knock him off a platform with a crane, and then you make your way to the lab. Everything after that is pretty straightforward. The tyrant shows up again to scare the shit out of you. Annette tells you Ada is not an FBI agent, but a mercenary planning to sell the virus. You confront Ada, Annette shoots Ada, Ada falls down, you grab Ada, Ada slips from your grip, and then you make your way to the train to escape and fight the tyrant one last time. But this time, it's serious, which you can tell by the fact the tyrant took off his snazzy hat and jazzy trench coat. No more Mr. Nice Guy. I mean, Mr. X. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to call you Mr. Nice Guy. The fight lasts a little while until Ada throws you a rocket launcher to blow the tyrant's face and torso away. Disclaimer, you, Leon, did not see who threw the rocket launcher, so you're still heartbroken over the soup death of Ada, the beautiful woman who kissed you earlier, because why not throw zombies and shoot everywhere? Also, have you seen Leon? He's kind of super attractive. The end. So how does Claire's story differ from Leon's? Well, first and foremost, as far as Claire is concerned, Ada Wong doesn't exist. You never see her or hear any mention of her throughout the entirety of Claire's campaign. Instead of running into Ada underneath the police station, Claire finds a young girl, Sherry Birkin, who is hiding from the zombies, her father in particular, scientist William Birkin, who transformed himself into G after injecting himself with the G virus. Speaking of G, while the tyrant shows up in Claire's playthrough, G ends up killing the tyrant about halfway through her campaign, and that was when I realized, wait, these two playthroughs are way more different than I thought they were going to be. I thought the tyrant was going to be the big bad for both characters, but that is not the case and I love the game for that. I can't speak for the original game having never finished it, but I've been told this wasn't the case in the original game. In addition to G being the big bad for Claire as opposed to the tyrant, instead of playing as Ada, you play a short segment as Sherry who is kidnapped by police chief Brian Irons, a dis 
despicable human being who is revealed to be a serial killer and is just the worst of the worst. When playing as Sherry, you have to find a way to escape the orphanage, which is where Ions takes Sherry after kidnapping her. And because you're just a little girl, this segment mostly involves playing hide and seek, which isn't fun, but incredibly tense, thanks in large part to the staging of that entire sequence. My heart was racing as I hid under a table, hoping Irons wouldn't find me as he pushed furniture around and threatened my life. Eventually, Sherry manages to escape and is saved by Claire, but not before G infects Sherry with the G virus. You make your way to the sewers, never run into a giant alligator, and meet Annette, who treats you, Claire, very differently because you're not after the virus, you're not working with a mercenary, and you're just trying to help her daughter. Fast forward a bit and Sherry ends up where Ada was incapacitated, aka the big pile of garbage. So Claire saves her by collecting the same aforementioned chess pieces and doing the whole door dance slash G fight. You then make your way to the lab in hopes that Annette will be able to save Sherry and it all ends with one last fight against G, who takes quite a bit of punishment before kicking the bucket. Once dead, you get on the train with Sherry, pick up Leon, and ride off into the sunset. Of the two campaigns, I prefer Leon's because I think the tyrant is a more interesting and much scarier antagonist. G is a giant wrecking ball who doesn't have a single thought in the world, but the tyrant is smarter than the average zombie, and because of that, he scared the shit out of me. Having a giant man-like being chased after me in a slow, sometimes fast walk is very unpleasant and had me sweating multiple times throughout my playthrough as Leon. Knowing after a point he could show up without warning was terrifying and something lost from Claire's campaign once the tyrant was eliminated. Sure, G is scary, but G only ever shows up to fight and then leaves. You aren't being stalked by G, you don't hide in rooms from G hoping his footsteps get quieter and quieter instead of louder and louder and holy shit he's just outside the door, what are we gonna do? I'm fucked! G is scary, but the tyrant is terrifying. That said, I do think it's worth playing through the game at least twice to get both sides of the story and because they're as different as they are, it won't feel like a complete retread. I did start Leon's second run, the second run's unlocking after you complete the main game as the alternative character, so finishing the game as Claire unlocks Leon's second run and vice versa. Since I only started my first second run, I can't comment on just how different they are, but at least with Leon, it skips the gas station scene, delivering everything that happens prior to reaching the police station in a handful of truncated cutscenes, starting you off in a completely different part of the police station with parts of the station already unlocked. And in addition to the story mode, there are a handful of short story as scenarios. Two of them, the Force Survivor and the Tofu Survivor, can be unlocked in-game or as paid DLC, and then three additional Ghost Survivor side stories were added to the game post-release for free and pose what-if scenarios with characters you meet during the regular campaign. They're nice little tangents that flesh out the world and add a little extra flavor to the overall story. Okay, enough about the story. Let's talk about how the game feels and maybe how it made me feel while playing it. Spoilers, Resident Evil 2 regularly made me feel like pooping my pants. You could say it regularly kept me regular. Now that's what I call a shitty joke. <laughs> uh, it was fine at first. Regular zombies were nothing and the occasional liquor hardly made me bigger. <laughs> but once the tyrant showed up at the station, everything changed because he never left me alone. That surly son of a bitch. Sure, 
Once I left the station, I was okay for a while, but it didn't matter because once the tyrant showed up and made his presence known, hi, don't forget, I'm always here, even if I'm not. The game went from a tense action horror game with great controls and incredible visuals to a horrifying game with incredible visuals I couldn't take the time to appreciate and great controls that didn't fucking matter because I was too scared to take the time to aim at anything because this giant fucking monster kept walking slowly in my general direction like I was some kind of delicious bowl of oatmeal. Leon. He looked delicious, but he's no bowl of oatmeal and not nearly as nutritious. I like oatmeal, if you couldn't tell. Anyway, Resident Evil 2 feels great. The shooting, the movement, the camera, everything about controlling the game feels great. I know being able to move and shoot at the same time is something some fans of the series don't like, a functionality which was first introduced in Resident Evil The Mercenaries 3D for 3DS of all games, but I like having the ability to do so even though I rarely if ever did because moving while shooting greatly affects your accuracy, so doing so could lead to a lot of wasted ammunition. And if you play on assistant mode, the game's version of easy mode, you get a very generous aim assist which makes lining up a headshot almost too easy. But if you're someone like me, someone who doesn't do too well with horror games, it's nice having features like that which make the game more accessible. That said, there is one aspect of the gameplay I don't like, though it's more gameplay adjacent than gameplay itself. Most enemies, including regular zombies, can take way too many bullets to put down even on assistant mode. As I put bullet after bullet into a zombie's head only to see them get up a few seconds later, I was left wondering if every zombie had a reinforced skull or maybe they were all doing their best Hugh Jackman from X-Men 2 impression. The dogs would consistently drop after three bullets from the base handgun, one if you land a headshot, but a regular zombie could take upwards of nine bullets from the base handgun before going down for the count. It's not a huge problem because ammo is so plentiful and you could just ignore a lot of enemies, but it is, at the very least, noticeable and just a wee bit annoying. Going back to the topic of my second playthrough, after beating the game as Leon and letting all the stress that built up over the six hours it took to finish the game escape my body, I bought the all in-game rewards unlock DLC for $4.99, which unlocks all the infinite ammo weapons as well as a few other extras. These unlockables can all be obtained in-game if you complete certain goals like completing the game on hardcore mode with an S plus rating, but I know I'll never be able to do that, which is why I opted to pay the 5 bucks. Once I downloaded the infinite ammo weapons, I went through the game again as Claire and, like when I played the original game on PlayStation 1, I did so utilizing the beautiful infinite ammo minigun and it was glorious. I can't begin to express how sweet it was going through the game again, a game that made me feel so tense and anxious and frightened for so much of it with the freedom to fill every zombie that got in my way with an unlimited number of bullets. That said, as nice as it was having a small arsenal of guns with unlimited ammo, one negative side effect of feeling so free was that I found out Claire has to deal with way more liquors than Leon and no matter how many times I ran into a liquor, I never learned my lesson. And when I say ran into a liquor, I mean just that. Because of my infinite ammo minigun, I ran all over the place, never thinking, maybe I should be quiet just in case there's a liquor on the other side of this door. Nope, I just ran like Forrest Gump and every now and again a box of chocolates in the shape of a liquor would be all up in my face like I'm some kind of Tootsie Pop. Fun fact, 
like a Tootsie Pop, three attacks from a Laker in standard mode leads to death. Coincidence? I think not. But as tense as the game could get, the tension was never due to the controls and that's the way it should be. But as great as the controls are, there's something even better in Resident Evil 2, the visuals. Resident Evil 2 is one of the best looking games I've ever played. Maybe the best. The character models, the environments, the lighting, the way the game seamlessly transitions from cutscene to gameplay, every part of the game is so meticulously put together and it's because of this incredible attention to detail that I was always engrossed and in the game. Nothing could distract me while I was playing because I was in awe of every single part of the world they created and if there was a way to just walk around the police station and all the environments without the worry of a zombie attacking me, I'd gladly take a stroll through this small chunk of Raccoon City. There are visually impressive games and then there's Resident Evil 2. Going back to the gameplay, one of the weirdest things about Resident Evil 2, something I had a hard time wrapping my head around, is that you can upgrade your inventory to 16 slots when all is said and done. 16 slots may not sound like a lot, but coming off of Resident Evil 1 where you have 8 slots as Jill and only 6 slots as Chris, 16 slots feels like cheating. During most of my first playthrough, I still treated my inventory like I only had a handful of slots, carrying only one gun and one healing item, making sure I always had more than enough open spaces for any items I came across before hitting the next safe room. Also, when playing on assisted mode and standard mode, you don't have to worry about ink ribbons because they don't exist. You can save as much as you want for free and, even if you don't save via a typewriter, the game auto saves as well. However, if you play on hardcore mode, Autosave is turned off and you will need ink ribbons in order to save and one zombie bite will hurt the shit out of you. So keep that in mind if you're looking for a challenge or looking to avoid one. All that said, I loved my time with Resident Evil 2 which should be apparent by my playing it multiple times to completion and even now with my backlog barely any smaller than it was one year ago, I want to play through it yet again. Resident Evil 2 is a masterfully made game and is what every remake should strive to be. It's not only one of the best games I've played this year, it is one of the best games I've ever played, period. Having recently played Resident Evil Remake and now this, I think I may have just become a fan of Resident Evil, though I am a bit scared to go back and play Resident Evil 3 on PlayStation 1 if a remake isn't announced soon, something I hope we hear about at TGS 2019, which will have happened by the time this episode comes out, so here's hoping. But regardless, I'm loving my time with the Resident Evil series and I look forward to revisiting the series again in the hopefully not too distant future. Anyway, that will do it for this here episode of Attack the Backlog. Once again, I am your host, Mark Kuznez. Y'all can find me on Twitter and pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage. The site is, of course, pixelatedsausage.com, where you can find this podcast and the Pixelated Sausage podcast, which are both available on podcast services across the globe, like Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And if you'd like to check out the video version of this here show or the Pixelated Sausage podcast, you can go over to youtube.com slash pixelated sausage and watch them both there. If you'd like to check out the art I make, you can go over to pxsart.com. If you see something you like, click the link and it'll take you to where you can purchase a print of the PC Fancy. And if you fancy the site in general and anything that we do, please go over to patreon.com slash pxs and support us that way. As always, thank you for watching or listening. I hope you enjoyed this here episode and I hope you have a 
wonderful, wonderful rest of your day.